Welcome to this week's podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. For more info about Freedom Church, visit hellofreedomchurch.com. It's good to be here in Grand Forks. Pastor Nathan and Mary graciously took my spot, Nellie's spot, in Crookston, where Freedom Church is about to start. Well, yeah, they're there now enjoying, enjoying themselves in the beautiful city of Crookston. I'll let you in on a little secret. I don't want to stir any discontent, but I miss them this morning. We have donuts in Crookston every morning. So here I come. I get your faces, but I don't get donuts. So how about that? Uh, I'm still blessed to be here. I've missed you guys. I have. So excited to be in Crookston. God is doing so much in that city. He's loving people. He's drawing people to himself. It's a great place to be. I miss you guys. You guys in Crookston are watching. I miss you guys there today. Miss being with you. The Lord bless you. I'm so happy Pastor Nathan and Mary get to be with you today. It's a blessing to have them. You guys enjoy them. I'll enjoy these people here. It's going to be a great day. God is so good. So good. It's so good to praise the Lord, to worship him, to remember who he is and what he does. Before I get into anything about the fact after the fact, I want to put some words to who God is. Some words from Paul in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1, Paul says, All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing to us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with wisdom and understanding. Wow. Wow. That is who God is. That's why we praise. That's why we love him. That's why we're his. So I want to pray for you, a prayer that Paul prayed just a few minutes later, because this is true for me to you. Ellie and I coming to Freedom Church less than a year ago has been a wonderful thing for us. We've gotten to see your love for God's people, who you guys are. Listen to what Paul says, and this is my prayer for you. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. This is my prayer for you this morning, right now. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Listen to the last part. I pray you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. That's his power is for you. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you this morning. It's available to me this morning. Crookston, you guys, that power is available to you this morning. Wow. This is why we sang praises to God. This is why we love him. This is why we're gathered here 
in his presence with each other because of what he has done, because he's filling us with his love now, with his understanding, with his goodness. As I get into this topic today that I want to bring to you, and that I feel God wants to bring to you, it's not on your own that you're perceiving it. It's not with your own intellect, but it's through the power of the Holy Spirit. So as you're listening, and already, already I know, because I've been praying and I know it's on God's heart, that you would feel his call, that you would feel his voice is burning in your hearts. And during worship, during worship, God was touching my heart. When we were singing that last song, I just want to speak the name of Jesus. My heart's burning with the desire to speak the name of Jesus. I got to do it right here, right now, in this microphone. But you guys have your own opportunity. You guys have an opportunity to speak the name of Jesus. What a blessing. What a blessing. Today we're talking about after the fact. I don't think I need to remind you, but I will, what the fact is. The fact is Christ Jesus died, crucified on that cross, and raised from the dead. So we put so much emphasis on the crucifixion, on what Christ suffered, because it's truly truly the most wonderful thing anybody has ever done for us. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ is absolutely essential. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is all about the resurrection. Paul expounds and describes what the resurrection is, what it means for us, and it means hope for us and resurrection for us. But Paul said that if the resurrection of Jesus was not real, we're more pitiful than any other group on earth because of our beliefs. So this morning, as I'm talking, as God is working in your hearts, if you're holding on to Christianity or faith in Jesus because you're hoping for a better life now or because it seems like a good way to live or because it's what your family does, go beyond that. Because if it's not for the hope for the next life, the hope of Jesus coming and taking us to be with him forever, whether we die or whether he returns to this earth first, this is a pitiful belief system. It is. But Jesus is alive, and that's the fact. So today we get to talk another message in the series of After the Fact. And Pastor Nathan and Pastor Jared have shared stories of Jesus revealing himself after he was raised from the dead. Jesus revealing himself to, to the disciples, first to the ladies who came to see him, to Mary's and the other ladies, and then to the disciples, one after another, <clears throat> sometimes in groups, sometimes like to Thomas. He came specifically for Thomas's sake. And Jesus is here for your sake today. And one theme that I've noticed as I've heard these messages over the last weeks is that Jesus' heart is to reveal himself to you. It is. That's what he was all about. He was loving people. Like on the road to Emmaus that Pastor Jared preached about. Here Jesus was walking on the road with these people who didn't recognize him. And he didn't relent. He was pouring out scripture to them, revealing to them who he is. And so... Today, it's still about Jesus revealing who he is, but taking it a step further, or rather, Jesus is in John. Let's read. Yeah. So I got scriptures on my iPad, so I don't have to be flipping through my Bible pages, but it's the same scripture, and you'll see it up on the screen. John 21, we're going to start at the beginning of the chapter. This is after, Tom, after Jesus appeared to Thomas, sometime after. So after this, that's Jesus appearing to Thomas. Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, same as the Sea of Galilee. He revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, 
and two others of his disciples were together. Quick note, I don't think John was real good with names, so I kind of fit in with him. I forget names a lot, and John seems to too. He's like two other disciples, whoever they were. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, sure, we'll go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, nope. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now we're not able to haul it in because of all the fish, the quantity of fish, so many fish, so much weight, they couldn't pull the net into the boat. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. This man didn't just you know, jump into the sea. He threw himself into the sea because he was going to get to Jesus. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, about a hundred yards off. When they got on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So I don't know what it was like to see Jesus after he was raised from the dead. But apparently he did not look like the Jesus from before. The disciples knew him here because of his miracle. This is a whole different ballgame. Instead of knowing where Jesus is sleeping, instead of being with Jesus every moment of the day, essentially, except for those few moments he broke away by himself to pray, the disciples didn't know where he was or what was going on. Let's get to the, the main part of this passage, the part we're going to deal with today. Verse 15 of John 21. After they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? More than fishing, maybe? Do you love me more than these? He, Peter, said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? Peter's heart was broken. He said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he would glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter leaned, or Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved. And John doesn't like to write about himself, but this is, this is John, the disciple. Peter turned around and saw them, saw him, saw John, the one who had also leaned back against Jesus during the supper, and said, Lord, who is it that's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? 
Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You, follow me. Jesus is being pretty direct with Peter. He's really pushing the issue. He's not trying to say, well, Peter, I'm here if you're ready to follow me. If you're ready to love me, you know where to find me. Jesus is pushing the point with Peter. Kind of feel like this was a setup, though. First, all the fish. Like, wow, fish. Jesus is helping me be a good fisherman. And then, if you love me, feed my sheep, take care of my lambs, take care of the flock, follow me. So, Jesus, you're not calling me to be a fisherman. All this success today in fishing is just a one-time deal. But Jesus starts by showing such great love and care for the disciples. He fills their net with fish before he pulls them in to talk to them. Jesus loves us so much. He cares for us. He cares for you where you are. He cares for you and what you are doing. He's not saying, I'm only going to take care of you, only going to bless you once you get your, yourself turned around and you do what I've really called you to do. Jesus starts off by blessing the disciples. And then Jesus throws that out. Peter, do you love me? Three times. Peter was cut to the heart. He felt it so much that third time. It wasn't many days before that Peter denied Jesus three times. He had said vehemently and with language, foul language, he, with, a, with a curse, not necessarily swearing, but essentially condemning himself to life without Jesus if he's wrong. He said, I do not know this man. Three times when Jesus was suffering, when Jesus was on trial. And now Jesus three times says, Peter, do you love me? Jesus is calling Peter back to the first call, back to the way he initially called Peter. I want to read the last two verses of John just, just to finish out the book, 23 through 25. So the saying spread among the brothers that this disciple was not to die because Jesus had said, if he remains till I come, what is that to you? The disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things and we know his testimony is true. Now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Jesus did and said so many things that John says, there's no way we could keep that all. There's no way we could process that all. We, no way we could record that all. But the things recorded are so purposeful. And so in this direct confrontation with Peter, Jesus is speaking to Peter for a purpose, and there's so much in here that applies to Peter, that applies to Peter's ministry, you know, from feeding my sheep, feeding my lambs, tending my sheep, taking care of the flock. That was Peter's call very specifically, but it's only recorded here because it applies to us, because God is using these words, this conversation with Peter to talk to us. What is he talking about? What is he calling us to? Let's go back to where Peter first encountered Jesus. I love the, the passage that Paul says, forgetting what's behind, I press on towards the goal. And I love to remember to forget because there's so much that it's, it's so much easier with life to forget. But do you know how many times we're told to remember in the New Testament versus forgetting? A lot of times to remember. Over and over and over again, we're told to remember so what we forget, what Paul was talking about forgetting was forget to depend on your own failures or your own successes. Forget to depend on yourself and press on to what God has. But we're supposed to remember our encounters with Jesus. We're supposed to remember Jesus' call to us. 
And this encounter Jesus had with the disciples was so similar to the first time. We're going to jump way back to Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 1. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing into him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, also Tiberias or Sea of Galilee. How many of you want to take a guess as to who he is in this? Or do I need to say it? Shout it out. Who is he? Jesus. Okay. Yeah, you're right. You can shout it out. Jesus. He is Jesus. So while the crowd was pressing into Jesus to hear the word of God, Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. He saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. So also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. You will be fishers of men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed them, or followed him, followed Jesus. Can you believe God's goodness and setting this whole second encounter up that we read about in John. What we just read was the first time Peter encountered Jesus. Fishing, not catching anything. I think maybe not only did Jesus call Peter in, into a life of ministry, but he might have saved him from starvation because this guy could not catch. Like, he was a fisherman, but I think on his own, the Bible records him catching nothing. Remember, he went to catch a fish for the temple and there was a coin in the fish's mouth. Maybe on that time he did the fish alone and the coin was the miracle, but it could be that actually Peter ever catching anything was a miracle. I don't know. So God was good to Peter in calling him into ministry anyway. Maybe he just picked somebody who was going to starve if he was left to his own. But anyway, that has nothing to do with anything except that I'm not sure Peter was a good fisherman. But Jesus does the same exact thing in John as he did early on in his ministry when he first called the disciples. And so in John, when Peter is seeing this, he sees all these fish come in. He's like, I know this. I remember this. This is Jesus. So he threw himself into the sea and got over to Jesus. And then Jesus tells him three times, asks him three times, do you love me? And tells him three times, feed my sheep, take care of my sheep. So I know without it being written in scripture, I, I, I fully feel, I will say, that Peter was remembering that first call, that Peter was remembering his three times of denial. And Peter was up there catching fish. And he was up there apart from God's call in his life, going back to what he knew, what maybe he wasn't good at, but it's what he knew. And yet Jesus saw where he was gonna be. And it was part of God's plan to recreate the call on Peter's life with such significance to Peter. Like, God could have said, Peter, you're out. I guess I'm going to pick somebody else because you're not doing what I called you to do anymore. 
God could have said, Peter, you denied me three times, it's over. I mean, you said it to yourself, you brought it upon yourself, as you've said it, let it be done. God could have said that, but no, he pursued Peter. And all these encounters after the resurrection, before Jesus went back to heaven, Jesus is pursuing his people. He's calling them and saying, come into relationship with me, know me, and follow me. And he's calling Peter to follow him to be a fisher of men. Again, feed my sheep, take care of my lambs. Those are God's people. Those are the ones he loves, who he's called. Dear brothers and sisters, I want you to know that you are called, you are holy, and you are dearly loved. That's not me, that's scripture. Those of you who respond to God's call are his chosen people. I better not get too far ahead of myself. Some things that stopped Peter from following God's call were failure. He failed. He denied Jesus. How about uncertainty? All of a sudden, he was following an invisible Jesus, a Jesus who revealed himself at several times in those 40 days between his resurrection and his ascension, going back to heaven. But yet, he was not seen most of the time. Peter had comparison. He was comparing his ministry, his life, to others. He's like, if I have to suffer, what about John? Am I alone in this? What about others? They're having so much success. They're having so much fun serving God, and it's so hard for me. How is this going to be fair? Peter had the size of the mission, the size of the task to focus on. There was Jerusalem where everybody hated him, hated Jesus, where he was known as a follower of Jesus, and he couldn't hide that anymore, a place he escaped from out of fear. How about the trials that Jesus spoke of? Jesus told him in rather a cryptic way to us, but John says he was revealing to Peter the way he would die and the way he would glorify God in his death. And from history, we see that Peter was crucified, but he requested to be crucified upside down. And so it was a horrible death, horrible death, but he glorified God in that death. So all these things could have kept Peter at the fishing boat on the sea. That fish they caught, that was enough to get him through until he actually learned again how to be a fisherman. But I want to tell you some of Peter's words. Some of Peter's words. And here's what I want you to pick up today. There is a reason to follow Jesus, a reason to answer the call. Because God is calling each one of us. We are called. We're holy. We're dearly loved. We're called into relationship with him. But as we see from this encounter with Peter, as we can see from Peter's words later in his life when he wrote First and Second Peter, we're called to mission. We are called to serve with Jesus, to follow this invisible God. Right now, we don't see him, but we know him. We're called to follow him on his mission. So here's some reasons why we should respond to this call, why we should, we should say yes when Jesus says, follow me. 2 Peter 3, 7. But by the same word, heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. I skipped ahead. I'm really sorry. <laughs> That's point number two, which is pretty important, but point number one helps that a little bit. Let's go back to 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4, please. Remember that one. All right, 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4. I messed things up now. Look at that. But we're going to get there. I'm just going to start reading. God's divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness 
through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of his divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in this world because of sinful desire. So through God, we've escaped from our sinful nature. We've been brought into his divine nature, into his kingdom, into a new life. But people who have not yet come into the kingdom of God, who have not yet accepted Jesus, are still under the corruption of this world in their sinful nature. So the first reason to respond to God's call is because people are lost. Without Jesus, people can't even begin to see or imagine what life in the kingdom of God is like, what life in God's divine nature is like. I'm gonna move here through to the second point. Now we get to 2 Peter 3, 7. By the same word, that's the word Peter's talking about, the word that God used to create the earth to bring the flood in Noah's day. By that same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. The second reason to respond to Jesus' call is because lost people perish. It's a hard truth. It's a hard reality, but may God grip our hearts with this reality and burn with, uh, in us a love for those around us who are lost and who are perishing. Hmm. This is heavy. It's so easy. It's so easy to talk to people with the idea in mind that it's all gonna work out for them. You know, people who don't know Jesus, just like, well, sometime, someday, someday they're gonna know Jesus or it's gonna work out. It's so easy to have that attitude, but that's not reality. The third reason to respond to Jesus' call is 1 Peter 4, 14. I'm skipping ahead. Again, nope, stay on. <laughs> Can we go? <laughs> don't, don't worry about the screen. I, uh, yeah, I messed up. It's, it's, I, I think I sent in 1 Peter 1, 9 through 10. This is 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. Peter says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. God called us out of darkness and has made us his people, priests and kings before him, so that we can proclaim his wonders, his excellencies, his goodness, the greatness of him who has called us out of darkness. So God has chosen you and called you to share his goodness. So let's respond to Jesus because he has called you. He has chosen you. How about that? You're not accidentally here. You're not, your primary mission isn't your own life. Your primary mission is to follow Jesus in declaring his wonders, his excellencies. This is Peter speaking after years of experience, decades after his encounter with Jesus by the Sea of Galilee. Number four, 1 Peter 4, 14. Listen to this one. Peter is talking about trials and problems. He said, if you're insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Do you know we're not alone? We're not in this mission alone. We can say yes to following Jesus because our own abilities aren't what matters. Our own relational skills aren't what matters. Our preaching skills aren't what matter. It's the Spirit of God 
his glory resting upon us that makes the difference. God isn't looking for those who are good, who are skilled, who are successful. He's looking at the, for those who are faithful to him, faithful to respond to his call, faithful to follow him, even after we mess up, even after we lose our confidence in him for his season, even after we forget the call and walk away from his call to be his witnesses, to declare his excellencies and his glory to those who are lost. We're not in this alone. The last one, John 21, 19, going back to Jesus' discussion with Peter. 21, 19. This he said, John is saying, to show Peter what kind of death he would, was to glorify God. After telling Peter about the hardships he was going to face, Jesus said to him, follow me. Verse 22. Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain in response to Peter's comparison to John, what is that to you? You follow me. He said, you follow me. God is speaking that to each one of us right now. We see it from Peter. And if we read Peter's epistles, the letters he wrote, he talks about how we are called, how we are God's holy people, a royal generation. We're not just on this earth getting by, just trying to scrape together our own livings. We're here because God has chosen to use us to speak his wonders to those who are lost. And those who are lost, those who are perishing, those who God has called and he wants to choose because they accept him. So to you, to you in Crookston, God has chosen us, God has called us. This message is for those who have never responded to God's call in the first place. Respond to him now. Respond to him personally and then respond to his mission for you. And to those of us who have known him for a long time and maybe we're not seeing what we want to see, maybe we think God's purpose that he called us to is out of reach. Maybe we think we messed up too much. Maybe we think it's just too big, too hard. Maybe we're just uncertain of what it actually looks like. How do I follow an invisible God? Maybe, maybe there's so many reasons. This reason, that reason. We know Peter's reasons. He had, he had verbally refused have any part with Jesus. That's pretty bad. And yet Jesus called him. So for those, those of us who have messed up and we think it's so much, so bad, just can't get back. I can't be useful to God anymore. That's not true. Jesus is calling this morning. If you're like Peter, the first time never heard his call, Jesus is calling you to relationship with him. And that includes being on mission with him being on mission. I'm so excited about next week when we get to learn about the, the gift, the Holy Spirit, why we're not in this alone. So today is a setup. Today is God working in your hearts, giving you a desire but maybe no answer. A desire to show his love to others, a desire for those who don't know him to come to know him. How you're gonna do it, where you're gonna go, what you're gonna do, don't worry about that yet. Just say yes to following him. You're not alone in this. I'm not alone. The Holy Spirit is with us, but right now you don't have to figure it out. Don't have to know what it looks like. Just say yes to Jesus. 
We're going to break away in Crookston. We're going to let Crookston go. Pastor Nathan can take over there. And see you guys next week. I'm excited for next week. You guys here in Grand Forks, I won't see you next week. Unless you want to come to Crookston. But don't all of you come. It's a small building. <laughs> it's a small building. So, <sighs> family, God is calling us. God is calling you. I'm going to call the band. I'm going to call the altar team. You guys want to come on up? <laughs> God is calling us in such a way that my words alone can't convey it, but his Holy Spirit is working in you right now. And he's touching you and letting you know he has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. He has a mission for you. And I've spent, I've spent the last few months getting used to being in Minnesota, getting used to being in Crookston. It's not all been easy. But I realized about a week ago, and God was talking to me and showed me, I could be anywhere in the world doing whatever, and, and is there a better place for me to reach souls? Is there a place where there's more for me to do with him? More for me to do on mission? And the answer was no, right where I am, right in Crookston, right in this northern Red River Valley is the best place there is for me to reach people for Jesus. God is calling you out of just focusing on your own needs and getting by in life to reaching people for him. What an opportunity we have. If you wanna pray, come on up. The altar teams are up here. Come lay down your burdens before the Lord. Ask for prayer. God is so good today. We're gonna sing this last song and then I'll come up and pray. But come on up for prayer during the song, please. Surrender your hearts to the Lord. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To stay connected with us, visit us on our website or check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Hello Freedom Church. Have a great week.